On with the show. This is it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Monday, Monday, Monday. Happy to be here. Hope you're happy to hear me. I'm going to say it anyways, whether you are or not. Because it's my show. Yeah. Kind of like these libtards. It's mine. You can't know because of how I feel. You know, I remember when Glenn Beck was a libtard. He, man, I'll tell you, he was fervent. He was a diehard believer in the Democratic Party slew of lies and other stuff. <laughs> Starts with a B and ends with an S, or maybe it's one word, I don't know. Anyway, you know what changed him? Trump. And here's how it happened. Beck, I heard Beck say this himself, so this isn't fluff. He actually said this. So here comes Trump. And Beck, of course, is on the bandwagon, you know, against them and so forth. But then Trump becomes president. So after, you know, you hear all the politicking and so forth that goes on, Trump becomes president. And Beck suddenly found himself keenly aware <laughs> that this man was doing what he said he was going to do. And he just went forward with it. You know, Trump did, as we know. And suddenly Beck realized or thought to himself, maybe I was wrong about this guy. Maybe I was wrong about the whole way I've been thinking. And boy, I'll tell you, he's a new man now. Beck reminds me in certain ways of, um, yeah, Alex Jones. Alex Jones went ballistic. Beck keeps it on the comm side. But he approaches and talks about things, much like I do, in a very calm and, you know, understandable manner instead of like Alex Jones got to be ranting and raving. And that's all people heard and saw was like a ranting and raving fool. I even did myself. There, You know, there came a time with Alex Jones when I went, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I've had enough of this. I don't need the drama. But anyways, I just thought I'd bring that up. So we went away for our birthdays and our anniversary. Our birthdays are in June. Our anniversary is July 3rd. And I got to tell you something. If I had known that it was going to cost me per night 160 something dollars plus cleaning fees to stay in these cabins, I never would have gone. We ended up <laughs> having to skedaddle on Friday instead of yesterday, Saturday. Because I guess, you know, maybe it was short-sighted on our part, but we figured for that kind of money, you know, 500 and some odd dollars, it's got to include, you know, three nights and four days, whatever. Oh, nay, nay. She come around on Friday and says, you know, the checkout time, and we're like, wait a minute, you know. So needless to say, a wonderful, you know what, other than that, what a beautifully peaceful, just serene, you know, it was up north, and, you know, you had the pines and so forth and so on, and you had the lake right there and wildlife and so forth and so on, and we were right on the lake. We had the last ca cabin in the row, so we were right at the lake. And it just really turned it into a very sour experience, you know. I mean, or, you know, oh, sorry about that. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm not feeling it. So anyways... Other than that, if I hear about anybody going to go there, I'll tell you again. So welcome to the show. My name is Mike. I am your host, and it's called Let's Talk. Let's talk. Let's make it happen. Let's get a dialogue going. I'd love to get emails from people. You know, let's get a dialogue going. So this episode is called Sweet and Sour. And, of course, we'll get to that later on in the show. Let's start with our prayer, and then we'll start with our first scripture. Father God, it would seem that the times are closer than we had once thought. It would seem, Lord, that we're closer now than we've ever been. The man of sin, the son of perdition, the Christian Antichrist, waiting in the wings. Probably known by some, Lord. Known by you for sure. 
and the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, are taking away, being taken away, the rapture, closer now than it's ever been before. And each and every day, it gets closer and closer. And I just pray you, Father God, that you continue so mercifully and mercifully and grace and love and compassion towards us, Lord, even though we don't deserve it. To keep us aware, Lord. Keep us knowing. And may we always be on the alert. And I pray this in the most precious name, the name above all names, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the Prince of peace himself, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen, amen. Second Peter 3, 4. Second Peter. Peter was a fisherman, if you didn't know that before. I have a tendency to think Peter was an extrovert. <laughs> Seems to, I think he might have been somewhat compulsive. Well, you know, it goes in the gear before you think about it kind of thing. Anyways, it says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And that's true. All things do continue. Exactly how the Lord uh, said it was going to happen. He knows the beginning from the end and vice versa. But you see, it's not that he's delaying or he's slack or, you know, lazy in his coming. He's giving as much time as necessary, as absolutely possible, for people to come and repent and be saved from their sins and be saved from eternal damnation. He's being patient and kind and compassionate. Think of it that way. He's not slack. Scripture says, oh, no, no, not slack at all. When he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Anyway, I have a commentary. Based on what I've been reading, and it's, it's available to everybody, you know, it's no big secret of the stage. I've said that many times before. What I've been seeing, just the whole, the whole ball of wax. We are, and I say this with trepidation. You know, I knew we were close, right? I mean, okay, I get it, we're close. But I'll be honest with you. We are, we're way close. We're right on the edge. And I don't think it would take much of a trigger event to push us over. I really don't. I don't think it's going to take a 9-11 type thing. No. I'm not saying it'll be subtle, but I, I don't think it's going to be of that magnitude. Because behind the scenes, behind what we see and hear every day, although it's not inaccessible to be seen or be heard or be read, you just got to go look for it. As I always say, you know, stop spending time on your phones and tablets and whatever with all the nonsense and chicken fluff and get down to business and find out. It's really amazing. It's truly, truly, truly amazing. Part of it being because we live in a democratic or a republic and you wouldn't think that that could happen. You would think that there were checks and balances. But you see, the Biden administration has overtaken the Department of Justice, the FBI, the whole, the whole ball of wax, the health department, the this department, the IRS, they're all under his or their rule, you know. And so with just the stroke of a pen. But you see, <laughs> the strokes of a pen don't make, doesn't, because it's a stroke of the pen, it doesn't make it legal. It's definitely not right. <clears throat> but because that's how it happens, that's how it's been happening, See, they don't want to give it to the people to debate or to vote on because they know what the people are going to say. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no, Joe, you got to go. 
So they just executive order or slip it in in a bill or whatever, but it's never legal. You know, it's not legal for the IRS to take your taxes like they do. I'm not going to get into it, but that's true. It's not legal. But <laughs> I digress. Back to the point. We're right on the edge, everybody. You know, they say it's not over to the fat lady sings. Well, I can hear her humming just off stage. We're, we're there. Here's my commentary. The globalists and their sinister intentions, evil, absolute evil, their intentions for the world, seen even in the words of the globalists themselves, listen to what they're saying. Prince Charles, Klaus Schwab, the, the whole nine yards, any of them that are luminists, uh, uh, Bilderbergs, the Bohemian Grove. I haven't talked about that ever, I don't think. The Bohemian Grove is in California, and I was in the, I was there, very near to where it was. My best friend and I were cruising around. I was out there on vacation, hadn't seen him in like forever. And we're out, I'm out there, and we went past the Presidio, and I started talking about the Presidio, and I think this was the, like the birth of me telling him things that he was not aware of, and, and that's fine, right? And it scared him. He kind of didn't want to be around the Presidio anymore, and I so... I didn't even mention the Bohemian Grove except for like in passing, but it was something that I knew we weren't going to go see. So anyway, but it, you know, so it's a very secret society, quote unquote. Alex Jones got through security and filmed a whole lot of their ceremonies and everything. And uh, it was on the, you know, on the internet for a while. And I'm sure you could still find it out there. I'm sure it's still around, but either way, very, very popular with politicians and CEOs and non-government organizations and the like and anything and everything in between, kind of like the Bilderbergs and the Illuminatus and so forth and so on. Anyways, it's, it's interesting because their god is Molech, and Molech is depicted as an owl. Molech, any of those gods I've talked about in the past, they could, you know shapeshifters and whatever they wanted to do. But anyways, Moloch is the is really the worst of them all. You had Baal came and he took away people's belief and whatnot in God. And so there's that whole spectrum, that whole, you know, whole bunch of stuff. And then you had Ishtar, Ishtar, Ashtaroth, whatever you want to call her. Um, you know, it all depends on whether it was the Romans or the Greeks or whoever, they all had their own names for some of these gods, but they're definitely in the scriptures and they're definitely historical, you know, well, actually in their current. So, and, you know, she was sexuality. She was the breaking up of marriages and relationships and just a whole bunch of things like that. And then came Moloch, all right, and each one ushers in the next. You know what I'm saying? So Baal, he ushers in the entrance of Ishtar, or, you know, and then the two of them, they usher in Moloch. Now, Moloch is something above and beyond the two of them together and all that they represent and do. And one of the key things... Get off there. Grace, get down. One of the key things... Um, that Moloch is responsible for is the sacrifice of children. You may have seen a statue, or or not. I can't remember what the head is. It's not it's not human. Not quite an animal, but it's not human. But anyways, and it's got its arms stretched out, but it's kind of leaning forward. <laughs> so back in the day. You know, this is where the scripture comes. You shall not force your children to walk through the fire. Um, you would put your infants up there on his arms, you know, to the god Moloch. I offer my child. And because of the way it was leaning forwards and its arms were kind of down, although they were stretched out to hold the child, 
the child would fall into a pit of fire and you sacrificed your child. It's an amazing trip I've been on recently. Um, so many different things have come to light for me. Um, details about different gods and goddesses and practices. and It all stems from denying or disallowing God. No, not any God, but the Judeo-Christian God. The God of Jesus Christ, of the prophets, so forth and so on. The God of Father Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, King David, Solomon. Get the point? And there is a... Jeez, the word definite or definitive just doesn't seem to grab it but or, you know, define it. But there's an unparalleled connection between the doing away with God and the advent of these other gods and goddesses. It talks about this in the scripture. I mean, it's no big secret at the stage that there's other quote-unquote gods, little g's, you know? And when we understand that and the unseen realm and so forth and how it operates and how it works, you can see the definite creeping in. You know, in the early 60s, we definitely saw the, um, the start of, say, Baal. And, you know, so he comes in and says, all right, let me, let me get these people away from God. And he does what he does and all his minions. And then Ishtar comes. And, you know, of course, the sexual revolution of the 60s and abortion. And I don't want to get married. I just want to live with you and on and on and on. And then come Moloch. That was the abortion industry's, you know, biggest, biggest star. And here we are today. The Arizona governor... Um, Denied her, I can't think of the word, I'm sorry. The execution of a criminal. This man was slated to be executed. In the state of Arizona, they still execute. So anyways, so they stay the execution, she does. She's a libtard. And yet, against the Supreme Court, but of course they gave it to the states to decide she opens the doors to abortion. So, just so we understand, let me get this straight, Governor. You refused to execute an individual who was found guilty in a fair trial of his peers and was sentenced to death in accordance with the law. She didn't change the law. So, in accordance to the law, he should rightfully be executed. Oh, but no, no, can't do that. But we're going to kill babies. Do you see the logic in that? Because I don't. My wife and I were talking about that. Trying to understand. I, you know what? I get a head murk. That's like the, a cross between a headache and just mush in the brain. It's a word I made up. <clears throat> but see what I'm saying when I talk about their, you know, the globalists themselves. They're just preaching it to you. You got Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum and all his goons and goblins. And they're endless, endlessly pushing the Great Reset. And then you got the globalists that are into the artificial intelligence. And at the very time, the very same time, they're also, now listen, they're also pushing the extraterrestrial UFO agenda. And we're witnessing all of this. And we as Christians, as I've said so many times, we are the witnesses. I can't emphasize that enough. But we're seeing it all. And it's very, very, very uh, quickly being pushed. Now we have a cabal of Satanists here in the U.S. and throughout the world who put their own political power and the global government domination above the rule of law. I spoke of that earlier. And, the, and, and, and in doing so, they put it above the best interests of American people all across, and, and people all across the world. 
folks, you know, everybody says, kind of like Doubting Thomas, I won't believe it till I see it. Listen, man, <laughs> open thine eyes and see the glory of the Lord, because that's how I see it. I'll be honest with you. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, a little intimidating and somewhat scary at times. But you know what? We are watching the very words that we always wondered about. That we've had doubts. Let's face it, we've had doubts. And we were bewildered and unsure and so forth. Folks, <laughs> clear your minds. And look at things, the end time events that are in fact unfolding before our eyes. Now we have all kinds of governments throughout the world and in this country, of all things, I've been seeing and reading and hearing of military movements in America happening this very day. I've seen it on Twitter, and I've seen it elsewhere online. Another sign, really, to be honest with you, that a storm is brewing. They're preparing for it. They're staging. That's what it's called, staging. You know? Kind of like, <laughs> to okay, try to make an example. Like a football game. Each player stages his position. That's, you know... Some, you know, so take it for what it's worth. The border's wide open. We know for a fact that military-aged Chinese men are continuing unabated to come into this country illegally. Ooh. But it, you would think by the way they just get through and get in that they've been invited. I wouldn't doubt it. The Biden administration? Oh, yeah. He'd rather wage war against us than our enemies. We, I guess, you you know, like, oh, my bad. I, that was a slip. We're the enemies. You know, one time, oh, jeez, 10, 10 years ago or so, maybe longer, whatever, the wife and I went on a trip with our niece to Gettysburg. Now, we lived in New York at the time, and Gettysburg was only a six-hour drive, so it was really, it was close. And on the way, something very interesting caught our eye. Now, this in light of the fact that we already knew and had read and seen and so forth. Alex Jones really put a lot of this out, and so did Jesse Ventura. Um, military vehicles staged, staging of military vehicles. We were going down the highway, I believe it was probably Route 81 in Pennsylvania, because that's the route to go, and there was these really plush hedgerows. Well, <laughs> at a few points, the hedgerow thinned, and man, what did we see? We actually did a U-turn when we could, and went back and looked at it again. Because, whoa, what was that? There was a comp, a, I call it a compound, like a ginormous parking lot. Huge, huge, acres and acres and acres of white military vehicles. White. White usually denotes the United Nations. So when I talk to you about military movements in America, <laughs> hello, why in, on God's earth would the UN have that kind of power here? So we're witnessing this. The, again, we're the witnesses. And so many of the different topics being discussed coming to alarming fruition right before our very eyes. We see just how close we are to an end of an age. In the headlines splashed all over mainstream, media news reports of today, Jesus said all these things merely the beginning of birth pangs. And just think, so much more to come in the days ahead. Remember something. You hold close to the words of Jesus. 
Keep him by your side, which is where he is. And you have no fear. It says in Matthew 24, he told us it's going to happen. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And he makes the point, all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. You know, the storylines I use here, I think, are relevant. I think they're important. If I don't report a story often enough, or even hardly at all, it's not because it's lost its relevance or place. No, no, no. The swamp is always dysfunctional. No matter who sits in the White House, it's dysfunctional. Always making promises it never intends to keep and, well, enslaving us. This is the dark future that we face. Tyranny has to be stopped now or else. Will there be anyone left to remember what it was like? The church even continues unabated into the great falling away. Most mainstream and almost all of those on the fringes, so in other words, mainstream being, a, you know, the official Episcopal, Catholic, whatever, but then those other ones, you know, the Lighted Church of Christ or the Holy Name of whatever, who knows. But they all have allowed their teaching and their agenda to tack on to the LGBTQ plus agenda. In fact, I think it was uh, the Baptist just recently um, disavowed several of their churches because they allowed female preachers. That's a technicality in the scriptures that a lot of people don't want to cover, but that is true. Second Thessalonians 2, it says, Listen now, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there comes a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That says to me, the, the man of sin and or the son of perdition, quote-unquote, the Antichrist, is going to be on the scene before we skedaddle. And we're going to know it. I believe that. And then you have the Vatican... It's already made the one world religion spoken of in scripture. Revelation 17, the great harlot. Definitely part of the end time scenario. And then the Vatican's involvement with UFOs on Mount Graham in southeast Arizona. That's an interesting one. It just goes to show UFOs are burgeoning and they're not going away. These stories happen every day. Anytime you open the paper or look online or whatever, you're going to see different parts of it. If you were really inquisitive, you'd look into them, find out more about them. All the stories, every day. But the most important question, are you ready? Moving on. This came as a complete surprise to me. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> you know. But because of the war over there in the Ukraine, something very significant. <laughs> Putin had a skedaddle. <laughs> they had to get him out of there. This Wagner leader, Prigozhin, he was 120 miles from Moscow with his army. He's agreed to end the chaos, but not before. Man, this brought Russia to the brink of civil war. This has got to be, without doubt, the biggest challenge to Putin. I, not this way. This is this is old timey. Let's get it on, you know, take you out kind of thing. But I guess apparently there was a deadly missile attack on one of his training camps in the use. Eastern Ukraine, and that was his motivation to, you know, go after Putin. So in the end, he's going to be exiled to Belarus. 
He's gonna. He's not going to face any charges. But again, look how close that happened. You know, and the thing is this: our involvement. We're not. You know, we're not innocent in this. Not by a long shot. The money and the equipment and everything else is coming from us. And when I say money, I mean money. Interesting to think that we wouldn't be in the situation we're in, and I've said this before, if all that money wasn't going to the war in the Ukraine. And it's a war. It's not a police action. It's not a whatever they want to call it. It's a war. And we're in it. We are in it. So the battle continues. As Christians, you better be prepared for a spiritual battle. Most unfortunate truth is that worldly people are often more clever with their contemporaries than spiritual people are. Isn't that sad? More worldly people are aware of what and why and whatever is going on in the world than quote-unquote Christians. You know, that's interesting because we have a book that tells us how to wage war in a spiritual sense. A book with ultimate authority, the Bible, said it earlier, said it so many times before. Why is there this discrepancy? Why is there this separation, this gulf between worldly people and Christian people? when it comes to knowing what's going on and why. I've spoken to numerous people. Man, I'll tell you what, they're right on it, but they're not Christian at all. No, no, no. No, that's for Bible thumpers and whatever they want to call us. See, Paul said in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Those are authorities, okay? So there's the unseen realm, right? Against powers that these principalities have and give. And against, well, they're the rulers of darkness of this world. And spiritual wickedness in high places. Two things. Number one, <laughs> Lucifer stood next to the throne of God. If there was like a hierarchy... It would be God our Father, Christ his Son, and, and Lucifer. So that wickedness came from a very high place. We also have it here in this world, right? Let there be no doubt in your mind. Bazillions. <laughs> Write that one down. Millions and millions, if not billions, of political people are spiritually wicked. Many of them practice all kinds of wickedness openly. They're not ashamed of it at all. Folks, the battle for the soul is without any doubt or hesitation the most important battle of all. Those of spiritual wickedness in high places and all the way down to the lowliest demon is after your soul. They want you with them for eternity. That's a long time, right? It says in the scripture that when we get to eternity, the time we were here on earth is going to be like a vapor, poof, done and over. No time flat. Eternity's a long time to spend in torment and torture because of pride or disbelief or arrogance or whatever, you know, whatever else. We have the very book that would give us the means or does give us the means to be able to study the art of spiritual war and the enemy's de deceptive tactics. tactics. We got the game book in our hands. It's like when, what was it, the Broncos got caught reading lips on the sidelines. That's why they all cover their mouths since, you know, for a while now. 
We have their playbook. I mean, it should be no surprise at all. We have victory through Jesus to whatever degree that it's needed. You know, in other words, we have total and complete victory in the end, but we'll have victory after victory here on earth as we tackle and we, we take on spiritual wickedness in high places. It doesn't say don't do it. It doesn't say get away from it. It's the world. You can't get away from it. You know? It's like being in an ocean trying to find a spot where it's not contaminated by, you know, fish dung or something. Yeah, you ain't going to do it. it. It's all over. We got to be totally aware of the enemy's tactics. When I was in the Marines, that was, you know, that was key. Right? Know your enemy's playbook as best as possible. You got intelligence and counterintelligence and blah, blah, blah. Always remember, when it comes to spiritual battles, one thing. Paul never said, never, N-E-V-E-R, said we should respect other beliefs. He never said it. What he did say is that if anyone preaches a different gospel, let them be accursed. That's in Galatians 1. Let them be accursed. <clears throat> he says in another, if I or an angel or any being run, not walk, not debate, run. Just get away from them. Get away. They're ignorant. Can't help it. They're unbelievers. And I don't mean to sound like I'm some kind of righteous anything. Because, oh, nay, nay. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. You read it for yourself if you open your Bible. Open your Bible to Revelations 10. Here's the brunt of the show, sweet and sour. Revelation 10. Revelation 10, 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth. Sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. The word of God is sweet as honey. And without getting into the details about the ways of the world and whatnot, nice and sweet, sweet as honey. But when you swallow it, you've eaten it, you've consumed it, now it's in you, now you know it can be bitter. And it is bitter. The world has abandoned God and his word like no other time in history. I don't think since perhaps the days of Noah and Lot. Noah would be the flood. Lot was Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's the cause of the effects we're seeing today, no doubt. Like I said earlier, that is no doubt the root of the rotten, bitter fruit our world is bearing today. Once again, when a people and a nation reject God Almighty, the effect is that they lose their moral compass. The effect is the likes of Baal and Ishtar and Moloch and any, any number of them. And then there becomes a wandering, like in the wilderness, of confusion, insanity, and delusion. You have no way of knowing. The moral compass is gone. Without God's moral compass to guide us, we just do what we want. Right? If it feels good, do it. And we do it regardless of the consequences and regardless of the effects. We say, well, it doesn't hurt anybody else. Well, yeah. Yeah, it does. Because by sinning the way the world does and the ways that they sin and so forth and whatnot and so on, they empower these demons to do more, to be more brazen. And God allows it to increase because if he's on the de decrease, well, <laughs> this is what's going to replace it. There's going to be a replacement, and it's not good. We think, you know, 
Timothy O'Leary, if it feels good, do it. So you're in, in essence, you're following your own heart. This is the time that Paul spoke to Timothy about. Perilous times. Men will be lovers of selves. They'll be covetous and boasters. Most proud, blasphemers. <laughs> Here's one. Listen to this one. Disobedient to parents. Woohoo. <laughs> Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. This is a huge list. All of this. More and more and more than lovers of God at all. Oh, they may have a form of godliness, but there's no power there. And it says, from such turn away. These are the kinds of individuals, and this is all in the scripture, I'm just paraphrasing here, sort of thing to move it along, that they, you know, they, they just look for people that are gullible, especially women, already bogged down with sin and moved and swayed by all kinds of evil desires. And sadly, they know, they know, they learn, but they can't come to a knowledge of the truth because they won't give up their sin. They won't do it. You can't live a sin, a, a sinful life, and think that you're living a, a life for Christ or for God. Your witness is weak. You won't reach anybody, except for to say, look at me, this is what I do, and I'm still a Christian. Well, no, you're not. You say you are, you think you are, but you're being deceived. Plain and simple, folks, you're being deceived. It says in Isaiah 5, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Boy. How many of those do we know? What, were we exactly like that? Well, yeah, we were. We thought we had the world by the hairs, right? Isaiah also writes, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This describes us right now. It describes the world at certain times before, in Israel's case. But this describes the world right now, our country. Devoid of morality, we're turned upside down. We have complete confusion, right? There's no moral compass. And that, you know, the concept of right and wrong is abstract and irrelevant. It all depends on what you think is right or wrong. What's good for me is good for me. This is what our world looks like. This is, the, you know, if you were to stand outside our world, like I've done, you know, I always say, get outside the box and look inside. This is what you're going to see. It's, there's no continuity to this. There's no cohesion, except for in the, you know... <laughs> Uh, bewilderment and lost and unknowing all that yeah sure this world has never been so lost spiritually as it is right now never not as a whole you know pockets you know time to time and so forth and so on but you see they know exactly how to play us they know exactly what they're doing Hitler did it in Nazi Germany. Stalin did it in Russia. You know, in Russia, when they took religion away, millions of people, millions, lost their lives. No moral compass. Nothing to gauge that kind of slaughter on. Nothing. And abortion? Oh, oh. state-sponsored. The only time they changed that law was because they thought, hey, maybe we're going too far with that abortion thing. And we're actually depleting our supply of bodies, you know, workers. So <laughs> they scratched the abortion thing long enough, as far as they were concerned, to replenish the body count. But, you know, again, it just goes to show you how it works. And this is, these are the lessons, these are the, the dictates. 
This is the strategy that was used before, and they reworked it, and they repackaged it, and they're shoving it down your throats, and you're going, yeah, give me more. All these things had, you know, culture and absolute turmoil. And the questions that have thrown our culture in the turmoil today, they seem basic and simple. I mean, it kind of like it's hard to believe we're even debating them. Think about it. Why are we asking what's the definition of marriage and family? Why are we asking our children a blessing or a punishment? Why are we asking if I'm a boy or a girl? Should people work to provide for themselves and their families? Or should the workers be viewed as greedy and their wages confiscated to provide for the non-workers? Should we honor the God of our forefathers or the hedonistic, demented God of this world? Should children be exposed to blatant pornography in the name of diversity and inclusion? And I guess the hardest question for today, especially for the leftists, <laughs> what is a woman? Remember that woman in front of the committee? Well, I'm not a doctor, Bob. Well, you're a woman, you idiot! Remember that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? I think it was called Kindergarten. And a little boy stood up and says, girls have vaginas and boys have penises. Wouldn't we love to see that again? <laughs> My grandson. How old was Alex when that libtard said, I identify as a man? It was like four, right? So my grandson, Alex. This kid, I love this kid. They all have character, right? And, you know, this kid is, like, enormous. Anyway, so they're, I don't know where. And what was, it had something to do with offering the seat to sit, right? Or what was it? My it's wife was like there. Yeah, so it was like, like you know, do you want to sit or whatever? Hey, lady, As a lady, yeah, he's giving her the, you know, benefit of the doubt. He says, hey, lady, would you like to sit? Yeah. And this one turns around and says to my grandson, four years old. I'm a man. I identify as a man. Do you know that that threw that kid into a quandrum? He went around to everybody at the party. It had to be Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. Because the family was there. But he was going to everybody. Are you a girl or a boy? And it was like, what are you, nuts? But then we find out this happened. You see... <laughs> You want to identify as whatever, go ahead on to Kutchaton. You know, really, the answer to the, to the questions I just asked depends on your worldview, really. And your worldview is what the foundation of your ideas, attitudes, and beliefs. And you're using your life experiences to base it all on. You're not using scripture at all. You're not even considering scripture at all. Nothing. Zip, zero, blank, duh. You know, you're like those puppets on that. What's that guy? Jeff Foxworthy? or No, not Jeff. I can't think of his name. You know, he's got that puppet peanut and whatever. His name. I don't know. Anyway, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big show. It's a big show. Our worldviews are formed by our schooling, our education, our parents, our friends and family. Also including that, religious backgrounds and multimedia indoctrination. I dare to say that each of these things have changed in recent years like we never thought would happen in our lifetime. And it's caused a, a tremendous, an enormous polar shift in the worldviews of many, many people. Some people felt that way for years, but were silenced because they didn't want to get ridiculed. Now, we had a bunch of these LGBTQ things or something or another 
marching down the street of I forget what city. I read it this morning. I couldn't stand it, so I didn't get the details. But they said, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your kids. Oh, we were just kidding around. No, you weren't. Oh, no, you were not. You know, what used to be, just like the scripture says, Isaiah said, what was once good is now considered evil. Once, what was once darkness is light. And what was once bitter is now considered sweet. The whole attitude is different, changed. N not even close to the same. Not even. But the one thing, thank God. I mean it, really. I mean it. The one thing that hasn't changed and does not change is God himself and his word. Nor any of his laws or his will. None of it. Nothing's changed. It's like, you know, this thing about Jesus and God being so much love and I'm queer and dear to God. Well, no, you're not. Not as a queer. Uh-uh. Especially not as a practicing queer or lesbian or whatever the hell else you want to call it. No, no, no. These are immutable laws of nature and God. This is, you know, and he created all things. This is who God is. This is what God is. You see, there's, there's, there's this bigger thing about God that as humans, we probably don't even get close to getting our heads around it. But the idea that he could change who he is, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Doesn't happen. Can't happen. It's not his nature. It's not his character. Talk about being true to yourself. More Christians need to be true to the word of God. We can always, always, always remember when you're in that confusion and that lost realm and all that, you're wandering around in the wilderness, all you got to do is call out his name. Humble your, your wicked self, get down on your knees and repent of your sin. And I mean to tell you, I tell you with no doubt in my heart, my mind, or anything about me, when you stand up, you will be a new creature. You will be born again by the Spirit of God, which will indwell you. Going to throw that old nasty, worthless, dark, worldly spirit right out into nowheres. And the Holy Spirit's going to come live in your heart and your, in your life. And I mean to tell you, there's no turning back. Uh-uh, nay, nay. If you turn back, what does Jesus say? You weren't worth it in the first place. You're unworthy. Mark 7 says this. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. That's a list. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. That's Jesus. In Jeremiah 17, we have this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. That's how he knows a phony, a phony repentance and believer as compared to a real one. Remember Jesus says, there's going to be how many? Uh, who knows? They're going to come before him and say, oh, Lord, we did this and the other thing in your name. You know, oh, happy day. And he's going to say, I never knew you. The point is, you never knew him. You never knew or cared to know what he really and who he really and why he really and how we fit into that. Not how he fits into us. We don't change God. God says, I change not. Okay. You know, there's some rules here, people. There's always rules. There's rules no matter what. 
There's rules for breaking rules. How, when, why, and where, and blah, 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 blah. You know, the sense of the world is in a, this turmoil and it's all because we follow false gods. It's all because we've abandoned the God of creation. It's all because so few know or care about the one true God of heaven. And those of us that are believers, those of us that are the witnesses, we're less and less. We're finding out that there weren't as many as, of, as we thought there were. But that's okay. That's all right. We knew this was going to happen, the great falling away. You know? And let the rest of the world make their graven images and worship their favorite sports teams, movie stars, and whatever, political parties, on and on and on. <clears throat> we hear the name of our Savior more as a curse word than in reverence and thankfulness. I know when the wife and I go out to eat sometimes, we'll, we'll say a prayer out loud instead of to ourselves. And people stop what they're doing and listen. And then if we bother to take note, they're smiling and they're nodding their heads in agreement. You see, you got to take time to honor or think about God <laughs> maybe at least one day out of seven. Or else he's going to say to you, I never knew you. We got to start reaching out to parents that are not being honored. They become the enemy because the kids are being told that they are the enemy and the government has labeled them as enemies. Enemies of the state for daring to question a demonic regime that's stealing their kids. And that's what the kids believe. We always told our kids, <laughs> they're going to tell you a bunch of whatever in school so you can pass. We're going to tell you what the real deal is. I'm going to do an ending commentary. Of the many... Take two. Of the many diverse and fascinating challenges we face today, the most intense and important is how to understand the new world. They call it a revolution. It's nothing less than a transformation of humankind. I call it the end of society as we know it. We are, without doubt, at the beginning of this revolution that's fundamentally, like it or not, changing the way we live, the way we work, the way we relate to one another. In its scale, in its scope and complexity, its reach is unprecedented, affecting every living person on the planet. I don't think we fully grasp yet the speed and breadth and breadth, yeah, dimension of this new, newfound way of life. We're witnessing, again, that word witnessing, profound shifts across all industries marked by the emergence of new business models, the disruption of incumbents, and reshaping of production, consumption, transportation, and delivery systems. These are all the things that affect our daily, everyday lives. The disruption of incumbents are nothing short of or less than the throwing out of the old and in with the new. On the societal front, a paradigm shift is well underway in how we work and communicate, as well as how we express 
inform, and entertain ourselves. No longer do we shake hands and say how to do. We text, we email, we video, Skype, or whatever. Humanity no longer is human. And equally, governments and institutions, they're also being reshaped as our systems of education, healthcare, transportation, and this just among many others. New ways of using technology to change behavior and our systems of production and consumption also offer the potential for supporting regeneration and these changes are historic in the terms of their size, speed, and scope. They came from seemingly out of the blue, from nowhere. And yet, some for decades and centuries have practiced their ways and waited for this time. The fundamental and global nature of this Revolution means it will affect and be influenced by all countries, economies, sectors, and people. We are the people. We are those who are governed. How we are viewed as the people, how we are governed, is our choice. To do nothing is to be in camp with the enemy. To do something is reaching for something greater than yourself. Humble, contrite spirit. That's what Jesus said to the woman at the well. The day will come when they shall not worship on that mountain or in that temple, in that city, on that hill. She was talking to the Samaritan. The woman at the well. He says, but God has got a spirit. So he said, humble, contrite spirit will worship God. Those are the ones that God hears. Those are the ones that he reaches down to. Never, never to deny his grace, his goodness, his love, and forgiveness, which is so needed. In this world, during these times, we don't know exactly how long it's going to take. Anybody tells you that they have a day and an hour, walk away. The scripture says, walk away. Because Jesus said, no man knoweth the day or hour. Even he himself did not know. Only God knew. Okay, why would I debate that? Why would I debate any of it? Jesus said it? Okay, I'm good with that. You debate or dishonor or deny a man who gave up all the riches of heaven to humble himself to come down here as a human being, suffer all kinds of humiliation, temptation, the list goes on and on. And not to benefit himself, but for us. He boldly stated, tear down this temple and in three days I'll raise it back up. Of course, you know, because they were unspiritual, they were, un, they were without understanding. They thought he meant the temple, the actual temple itself, which took like 40-something years or more. But he's talking about his body. So you would rather listen to somebody who's finite. In other words, they're going to die and go in a hole in the ground and that's where their body is going to rot. And their soul, unfortunately for them, is burning in hell. You would rather believe them than the man who was so brazen and bold as to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
He who believeth in me shall never die. You know, I mean, if we were betting people, right, a gambling man, I'd put my money on that guy. So the choice is yours. The decision to be made is yours. The information and everything is there for you. Just humble yourself and seek. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Those are the words of Jesus himself. He says, I will never abandon you nor leave you as orphans because you are in the right hand of God where there is no power on heaven and earth or below it that can take you from it. Yep, my money's on that guy. And I thank him so much for calling my name and giving me the faith and the trust and the hope and the belief to be a witness. Thank you, Father God, thank you. And may his peace and love, grace and mercy, may his face shine upon you. May his forgiveness be yours through his son, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. God bless. Goodbye.